Every neighborhood has one. Every school has one. And it's someone's worst nightmare to be one. And what I'm referring to this morning is the kid in every neighborhood or school who gets picked on. Maybe it's because he or she is the smallest kid. Maybe it's because of their ethnic background. Maybe it's because of their athletic inability or or some physical handicap of some kind. We all know that kids can be pretty cruel. And so there's usually one kid in the neighborhood, one kid in the school, who pays a huge price for simply being who he or she is. (laughs) That is, unless there's an advocate on the block or in the hallway. But you see, in some neighborhoods, in some schools, there's sometimes a big kid for who knows what reason decides to come alongside and protect the kid that's getting picked on. The underdog is getting hassled beyond the point where the protector feels comfortable. And with Hollywood-style drama, the big kid comes and stands next to the one who is the object of ridicule, squares off with all the others, and says in a very intimidating voice, you mess around with Jimmy... And you're messing with me. When that happens, what happens? Everybody kind of takes a step backwards, don't they? And some say, well, you know, personally, I always liked Jimmy. (laughs) Don't know why everyone else is giving him such a hard time. I actually think he's a pretty good kid. In fact, I'm thinking of doing lunch with him next week in the cafeteria, you know. And then as long as that advocate is around, Jimmy's problems and troubles are over with getting picked on. Now, I I bring this up uh, today because as we look around our world, uh, we know as we look and observe that there are many in our world and in our community who are poor and needy. People who struggle just to have the basics that would sustain life. And these are the group of folks who the Bible calls the poor. And and this group of people who are poor and needy have a, a powerful protector. They have an awesome advocate. And and that awesome advocate says, hey, you mess around with the poor and you are messing with me. And of course, that advocate is God himself. God advocates for the poor and needy. Look at Proverbs 14, verse 31, where the Bible says, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. You see that phrase, contempt for their maker? God is saying, if you oppress the poor, you show contempt for me. And folks, I got to say, God doesn't take contempt lying down. It stirs him to action. And the writer of Proverbs and, and the writers of Scripture make it clear all through the Bible that God has a special heart of concern for the poor. So much so that God serves notice that those who mistreat the poor will ultimately reckon with him. Now, on the other side of the equation, there's an equally strong promise made to those who show mercy to those who are poor and in need. For on the other hand, God says in this verse, if you are kind to the needy, you honor me. And and Proverbs 19.17 is saying the same thing when, when, when it says, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward him for what he has done. Do you see the idea here? The idea here is that, that when we are kind to the poor and needy, it's like lending to the Lord. We're going to get paid back the kindness that we extend to the poor as we're going to receive the favor and the blessing of God. And so what God is saying in these verses is, hey, you mess with the poor, you messing with me. But if you bless the poor, you will be blessed by me. 
And we see that over and over again in the scripture, don't we? That, that the favor of God, that the blessing of God will be on all of us who demonstrate kindness to those who are poor and in need. A few other examples that we could see this morning of this are Proverbs 22.9, for instance, uh, where the Bible says, A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Proverbs 14.21, Blessed is he who is kind to the needy. Over and over again, the Bible says, Blessed. God will bless us when we are kind to the poor. You see, the God of the universe is, is so concerned about the plight of the poor that he says that, that, that anyone who aligns ourselves with their needs and concerns, anyone who cultivates a heart of compassion for the poor, makes a difference as we live life in this world. And that is going to evoke from God his favor. A, a river of mercy and blessing, so to speak. And then one last look at uh, this in regard to what the proverb says anyway, is that uh, in verse 28, uh, chapter 28, verse 27, it says, He who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. Let me read that again and let that sink into our spirit. He who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. Promise is clear. If we bless the poor, God will bless our life. If we ignore the poor, if we are callous toward them, if we are cold-hearted toward them, God will judge us. And so the writer of Proverbs and the writers of the Scriptures generally ask us, you know, what do we want? What do we want as we live our life? Do we want God's favor and blessing on our life? Or, or do we want His resistance, His opposition, and ultimately His judgment? What do we want? And they say, uh, almost uh, through, you know, in both Old Testament books and New Testament books, that the outcome of that question is going to be determined by how you and I live life in this world. And if we are making a difference by the way we treat the poor and the needy. Now, now all of this begs the question then, doesn't it? Uh, a bigger question that's at the core of of what we're talking about this morning. And, and, and that is that if this is the case, then, then how do we cultivate a compassionate heart so that we can make a difference? How do we cultivate a compassionate heart so that we can live out this word that we love and that we've been learning and make a difference in this world in which we live? How do we, as we walk through life, keep from becoming absorbed only about ourselves and our families or, or our little picket fence, so to speak, and, and the activities of life that we are into, and as a result, forget about the poor and the needy? Well, I think we find the answer to that, at least part of the answer to that uh, question in this proverb, Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-seven, that 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 says, he who closes their eyes uh, to the poor receives many curses. And, and I think what that tells us is, hey, let's turn that around then and, and say that the first way to cultivate a, a heart of compassion that, that allows us then to make a difference in our world is to open our eyes to the poor and needy. And if you're taking message notes and you're filling in those blanks, put in that word open. Open our eyes to the poor and needy. 
Open our eyes, in other words, to those who are suffering and in need. Resist the temptation to look away or to run away, maybe because it's uncomfortable to us. But instead, take notice of those whose lives are badly broken in some way. You know, a lot of people who I know that have a a huge heart of compassion for the poor can tell you when it was and where it was that their eyes were opened to the needs that people had around them. They can tell you where it was that they came face to face with a level of need that they had never known existed before. I know for me it was when Vanessa and I moved to Chicago as a young married couple and and I got involved with helping the homeless into shelters on freezing cold nights. And I was part of a, a renovation crew that went into apartment buildings that had been condemned and would renovate those buildings. And, and, and upon entering those apartments for the first time, seeing the unbelievable conditions that some of Chicago's inner city poor had been living. And I remember how my eyes were open to the abject poverty that some in our country live. And and I remember how my eyes were further open to to the poor in Guayaquil, Ecuador, as for the first time I saw face-to-face bloated bellies and flies crawling on the faces of little children playing in the streets. And I can remember to this day the sense of the, the impact that that had on me. And I remember the, the, the feeling of the Holy Spirit coming over me and saying, Now, David, everything's going to be different, isn't it? Now you've really seen it. The poor side of the inner city Boston and Skowhegan, Maine that, that you grew up in was like a shopping mall compared to what you're seeing here. And folks, that was the day that my eyes were open to the poor. And I had some decisions to make. Would I keep my eyes open to the poor and the needy? Or or would I turn away from them? Because I was pretty uncomfortable with what I was seeing. Would I arrange my life instead in, in some way that would keep the needs of suffering people near the center stage of my life? Would I allow the, the, the pressing agenda of my concerns to push them off to the side or was I going to keep them near the center stage and do what God had called me to do? You know, that decision determines for me and that decision determines for you whether we're going to grow into a heart of compassion and make a difference In the world around us. By living out God's word. A lot of it. Is about what we do. With our eyes. Some time ago I heard about a singing group that. Has had a lot of success and now as a result of that success there rather than going around all the time on the road. They pretty much do large corporate events and. And they're using their income in a great way as they're doing a lot of work for inner city kids who are living in dangerous neighborhoods where, where crime and where fear and where poverty dominate daily life. And they're into doing a lot of the work that guys like Mike Walker and Sean Copeland and some of the folks here from our church and other churches around our community are doing down at, at the city teen center in inner city Salina. And, 
And this music group has used their income to establish youth clubs and tutoring programs and do some music and arts festivals and Bible study groups. And and a while ago, they were asked by a reporter, why is it that you're doing this stuff? And this is what their response was. Let me read it to you. Well, obviously, we're doing this because these kids live in such need that they need help. But truthfully, it is also because there is as great a need in us to do something like this. Because if we don't do something like this, we will be like so many other musical groups who fade into narcissistic oblivion because they only care about themselves. And their whole world shrinks to what's good for them. And then a couple other members of the group chimed in and they said, we, we make sure that that at least once a month we go and get hands-on with various efforts that we are involved with in the inner city, and we just love it. Why do they love it? Listen to this. We love helping them, and we love what happens to our hearts in the process. What are they doing? They're opening their eyes to the poor and to the needy, and they are arranging their schedules in such a way that they keep their eyes open. Friends, when you and I are seeking to cultivate a heart of compassion for the poor and make a difference, making a difference in this world, so much depends on our eyes. So much depends on what we see. Do we see the people? Do we see the needs? I want to ask us this morning, how are our eyes? Do, do your eyes or, or my eyes see only the like us people who we like being around and as a result our heart shrinks? Or do we from time to time do a heart check, a, a spiritual EKG so to speak, and ask ourselves, is our heart growing in compassion? A, a, am I more compassionate now toward the poor and the needy than I was a year ago or three years ago or ten years ago? The first way to cultivate a heart of compassion for others is to open our eyes to the suffering and to the needs around us here in this city and beyond. Then there's a second way that the scripture tells us that we can cultivate a heart of compassion, and that is to to extend our hands to the needy, not just open our eyes, but extend our hands in service to the needies in some real practical ways you know see opening because opening our heart i mean opening our eyes is a great way to start a heart expansion program but extending our hands in actual service is going to do even more proverbs thirty-one twenty describes a woman of compassion by saying she opens her arms to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy i love that verse she extends her hands to the needy This woman's heart in Proverbs is is growing as she extends her hands. Some years ago, I heard about a guy in Chicago. He was written up in the Chicago Tribune, and and he's a follower of Jesus, and he serves the poor in a lot of creative ways. And some of the ways he does that is by getting involved with uh, the food ministry at his church. And 
and he volunteered uh, one year to go to a, uh, a mission trip to the Dominican Republic to help build some homes for poor people. And, and while he was there, uh, he got the idea of serving the poor by importing the coffee beans that they were growing in the fields behind their homes. And, and he figured this would provide a source of income for them. So this guy, Pete Lutzenzer, started this little company called Mission Imports. And what he does is he buys coffee beans from poor people in the Dominican Republic, and he sells them there in Chicago. And, and on every package of coffee, they have this great slogan. It says, with every sip of coffee, a DR family is blessed. Huh? You know? With every sip of coffee, a DR family is blessed. I have a, a guy who I know that uh, is a coffee fanatic, and he buys this coffee in Chicago, and he figures, you know, he, he, he was drinking so much of it one week, he was getting buzzed, you know, but he said, hey, why not? Every buzz is a blessing, right? <laughs> You know, we've got people who, who, like that, extend their hands to the poor and needy here in our church family. I mean, yesterday, uh, you know, 30-some people from our church working on that house, others involved at the Martin Luther King Center and some other projects around the community here in the fall fix-up day in Salina. Extending hands of service to the poor and the needy. And, and out at our ministry information center, we have this sheet, this, this goldenrod sheet that's local outreach ministries for life groups and individuals. Two pages, front and back. Ministries that our people are involved with here in our community. And some of you are reaching out to the poorest of the poor by getting involved with mission trips to, to places like Nicaragua and Mexico and Africa and elsewhere. We've got some creative folks who have some real competencies. And, you know, there's no end to the ministries that can be done from this church family. And so people of God, there are many ways to, to extend our hands. And, and many of us are doing that as we're rolling up our sleeves and, and we're extending our hands in, in creative ways and, and getting hands on. And many others are also giving of resources financially to help support these, these ministries to the poor and the needy. You know, as I think about what went on yesterday and what I was involved with and, and what that did to my heart, and as I think of what happens as we give, uh, you know, I think, for instance, of, uh, of the two third world children who we support it, through Compassion International in, in Nicaragua. Their names are Jose and Anna, seven and four years old, brother and sister. And the last couple of years that I've been in Nicaragua, I've been able to take a day uh, of my own time and, and go out to uh, a, a remote poor section of Nicaragua, a village there, and, and, and minister to them and, and visit with them and love on them and receive their love back. I'm going to say it's unbelievable the conditions they live in. And while I'm one who doesn't really like to sign checks, I mean, look at my last name. It's Scottish, right? <laughs> I'm always trying to figure out ways to pinch a penny. But I got to tell you, I enjoy writing those kinds of checks. There are two kinds of checks that we sign in our family that are never hard for us to sign. And I want to get real personal and honest with you this morning and say that the first is our tithe check to this church and the second is the, uh, are the checks that we write to various ministries that support the poor and the needy. And sometimes when we give our 
money to ministry in the church and and to other helping agencies the words of proverbs 3 come to mind where where the lord says honor the lord with your wealth and with the first fruits the first and best part of all your income and then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine and I got to tell you, this proverb recalibrates my heart and my value system. And it helps keep me on track to say, man, God has blessed me with a healthy body and mind. And I have a great place that I get to work at each day. And I love the people I work with. And, and, and God has blessed me with an income to support my family and be able to give back to him. I mean, it, it's wonderful to sign those checks that represent that God is the source of all our blessings. And we want to honor him with that money. And you know what else strikes me when, I, when we sign those checks is that, that every time we give our tithe to this church, we are involved with all of the ministries that this church has going on that, that minister to the needs of children and youth who come through our doors and who God has blessed us with each Sunday. And, and, who, and, and all of the ministries that this church is involved with in the community and beyond. And, and as we do that, as God's people, God is saying, you can anticipate my favor and my blessing. Because God is pleased when we help the poor and the needy. And so I want to encourage us this morning to, to, to open our heart to God and to ask him today, God, what do you want me to do to help make a difference? here in Salina and beyond. What, what faith step do you want me to take today? How can I go what is, you know, go above and beyond what is comfortable for me to do? How can I be a blessing to folks who so desperately need it so that in that way my own heart of compassion will grow? I got to tell us, folks, as we open our eyes to the needs of the poor and as we extend our hands and resources uh, to the needs of the poor, we are going to be blessed. And 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 maybe we're not going to get rich because you've heard me say before, when you plant an acorn, you don't get a huge acorn, you get an oak tree. Sometimes God's blessings may come to us in different ways. But we've got to remember this morning the proverb that, that talks about, um, well, where is it? Okay, it's somewhere in there. The proverb anyway, 1917, that says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Now, before we wrap this up this morning, I just want to describe briefly one more way for you and I to cultivate a heart of compassion and that is then to build loving relationships amongst the poor and the needy. To build loving relationships amongst the poor and the needy. You know, once we open our eyes and once we extend our hands in service, our heart's going to enlarge. But I got to tell you, there is nothing like sustaining a compa- nothing that, that will sustain a compassionate heart like like establishing and sustaining a true relationship with people who are in need. I know that in my own lives as 
We get to relate now to these kids in Nicaragua and, and their mom and, and their brothers and their sisters. Uh, we get to relate to them when we visit with them and, and, and when we write letters. And, and, and I know that, you know, over these last few weeks as we've built a relationship with, with this woman whose house we've worked on the last couple of weeks. And we see that in the lives of people at, at church here who, who are developing relationships with at-risk kids and adults through through the after-school ministry that we've begun at, at, at Cottonwood School and, and the Excel ministry at, down at the City Teen Center and, and the Adopt-A-Family ministry or, or those who work with the Salina Rescue Mission or the Salvation Army or the Serving Salina together. And, and we're going to see it happen as well when in January as we're praying that God will, will uh, uh, allow us to open that home that we're renovating down at, at, uh, uh, downtown, that, that home that's going to be used to house eight Women aging out of foster care who have nowhere to go. Many of whom have never been loved with the real love of God. And who we're going to have an opportunity to pour our hearts and lives into as a church. Show compassion on and mentor them and love them in the name of Jesus. And you know, I love talking with people in our church who are involved in these ministries because almost always as I, as I hear them talk about the people they're ministering to, I, I see that their relationship with these people, are, it, it's enlarging their heart of compassion as they live the word and they make a difference in this world. And why does it have that effect? <laughs> Because it's a God thing. It's not a humanitarian thing. It's a God thing. Relationships are a God thing. I mean, after all, relationships are, are one of the main reasons why God created human beings, why he created us. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 on the screen behind me where it says in the New Living Translation, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. Why? Because it gives him great pleasure. It's amazing, isn't it? The creator and sustainer of the universe has created you and me because it gave him pleasure to do so because he wants a relationship with us. God loves us. He wants a relationship with us. And knowing that our sin has broken that relationship with him and that as a result of our sin, we are broken and spiritually impoverished people. There is a beautiful verse that I want to close with this morning that comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, where the Bible says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. What's this saying? It's saying that Jesus loves you and me in spite of our sinful and needy condition. He left the riches and the honor and the splendor and all of that that he had in heaven, all the perks of paradise, and he came to live among spiritually poverty-stricken people for some 33 years here on earth. And he came, the Bible says, to identify with us, to pay the price for our sin, by dying on that cross. 
And he came to not just offer us salvation, but friendship with God, a relationship with him. Jesus, who knew no poverty, became poor so that spiritually impoverished people like you and me could be made rich. And you know, when we really understand that central theme of the Christian faith, that Christ died on the cross for us to be made restored with God, and when we understand and experience the heart and the compassion of Jesus for us, then how can our hearts not be filled with compassion toward others? How can we not find ourselves motivated on the inside by this kind of God thing then to open our eyes to the poor, to extend our hands in service to the needy, and to establish and maintain relationships with them that will enlarge our heart of compassion? You see, as the scripture says in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. You see, it's not a humanitarian thing. It's a God thing. And so as we bring this message to a close, I've got to say that I am praying that God will so flood my life and he will so flood your life with an understanding of his heart of compassion that the Holy Spirit of God will sweep over us and will sweep over this church family so that our hearts will get bigger and bigger with compassion for others. That those children and youth and those broken adults who walk through our doors every Sunday and will get involved in those ministries to them, and that our heart will grow and enlarge in compassion to those in our city and surrounding area who are hurting and in need. And that our heart as a church and as people will grow in compassion for people in places like Nicaragua, Mexico, and Argentina, and Africa. And I am praying that in the years to come, as you and I and this church family fulfill our mission statement and go deeper in Christ by growing more in love and learning more of the word, that we will then go further in mission and we will live the word and grow in compassion.